I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Sans Pants Radio, Australia's most cowardly podcast network. Hello and welcome to Scaredy Boys, a podcast where three cowardly friends discuss horror movies. I'm Damien. I'm Sean. And I'm Tom. And for this episode, we watched A Quiet Place Part 2. A Quiet Place Part 2 is a 2021 horror film and the sequel to the 2008 film A Quiet Place. Following the events of the first movie, the Abbott family now must face the terrors of the outside world. Forced to venture into the unknown, they realise the creatures that hunt by sound are not the only threats lurking beyond the sand path. Johnny, Johnny Hot Dog Krasinski. Johnny Hot Dog Krasinski. (laughs) Love him. Krasinski, it sounds like Kransky. It it works, Tom. It's there. It does. It's there. It's there. Do you know what? I wanted to hope that you just picked that name just because. Like, not because it related to his name at all, but you're just like... I'm calling you hot dog because you're a you're a hot dog. <laughs> it works on many levels. He's a hot dog. He's a hot dog of a man, of a director, a writer, an actor. He's a triple threat. Triple dog. Pro- he's proven himself with this one. Like obviously the first movie, it came from a script by those two other dudes. I'm sorry, I've forgotten their names. Beck and Woods. Beck and yeah. Woods, thank you. And then Krasinski came in and obviously did some edits, rah, rah, rah. I was never hundred percent sure on the impact Krasinski himself had on that first film. Now that I've watched this one that is pretty much wholly him, I'm like, oh, he he is the best parts of the first film as well. Oh, definitely. Yeah. It's the family element. It's the yes. fact, I mean, I think it's the fact that he's got kids yeah. and mm-hmm. he said, someone was telling us this, I think he made these films as like a love letter to his kids, which is kind of like, it's cute on the one hand, but it's also like, does he hate his kids? <laughs> well, his, what I find disturbing about that fact is in the first one, one of his kids dies horrifically. <laughs> yes. True. Yeah. Hey, he knows he knows the value of his kids and they can really pack a punch. <laughs> that was him teaching them a lesson. It's like, don't yeah. you fuck around with toys. Don't fuck around when we're at the supermarket. You don't grab stuff on this. I tell you to put it in the trolley, okay? <laughs> <laughs> it's Arrested Development, how? How uh, George Senior would have those elaborate things to stop the kids from doing That's right. Yeah, the one-armed man. man. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Beware the one-armed man. I I guess one thing is it's it's one of those things where Quiet Place is such a great, tight, well-made film. You kind of go, do Mm. I need a sequel? And the answer is, fuck yeah, yeah, we do. Because that was also a tight, well-made, brilliant film that is just full of 
fucking fantastic characters, fantastic performances, and just tension up its asshole. Yes. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's so fucking tense. It's equally right. as tense as the first one, which you wouldn't Agreed. have thought would no, be possible. No. No. I think it's clear, too, from watching it, that when he was writing it and making it, he very much wants this to be a trilogy. Mm. Because I think the, the only knock I would probably have on it is, I think it's a little sluggish in the middle, but I, mm-hmm. for me, it's a very, very abrupt ending. Yes. Yeah. The ending itself is sensational, and we'll cover that because it's fucking powerful. Yeah. But the very final shot, and it just ends in its credits. And it's yeah. like, if that was the end of this story, mm. you've got to have her reunited with her family. 100%. You know what I mean? You've got to have the mum coming to the island with the kids or whatever. You've yeah. got to have them hug it out. But they don't, and it's clear that it's it's going somewhere bigger. Yeah, I agree. I even I don't know if you guys remember when we were at uni together, there was this one guy who came in, a filmmaker, and he talked about how he realized that you almost, almost every film needs an epilogue, even if it's just one scene that's super short and super like if the if your characters win the day, we need to see the benefit of them winning the day, which would be her reuniting with her family and having that moment. Yep. And it stuck with me. Like, even in my own writing, it's not enough to just, like, you know, you want to get in late and leave early, but you also, leaving early also means that you do want to show, yeah, the win, the, the the normal life now that they've had the win and how good it is, you know? Definitely. Yeah, this def- movie was definitely missing that. Because it's like, it's like when you watch sport. And your team has a great win. Yeah. Right? Like maybe they kick a goal after the siren and they win the game. You don't turn the TV off immediately and cut to credits. Right. You want to no. watch the crowd hugging each other, the players, 100%. the coach going crazy. You want to see the emotional yeah. sort of outburst. You're going to sing the, along yeah. with that song. You're going to have the best time. Yeah. Yeah. That's it, dude. Do you think the first film achieves that epilogue? See, it, no. It doesn't. It's got a very abrupt ending. Yeah. They both end abruptly. Which, mm. is, which is really interesting. I guess the epilogue for that would be to see her shoot the monsters. Which wouldn't have been as cool an ending as her cocking a shotgun. Yeah, true. Where, yeah, but I, I agree because I had the same thought. I'm like, oh, it's just following on the tradition of the first one. Very abrupt ending, which is that late in, early out. Yeah. Um, but then I also agree with Sean. I think, yeah, it's clear that this is a, the second in a, in a trilogy, which to be honest, I'm fine with. The second movie in a trilogy is usually the shittest. It's, it's that middle, it's that heavy second act. If this is the the shittest one, oh boy, oh, I yeah. am looking forward to that final act. I yeah. am shocked by this revelation that the second one is the worst one of the trilogy. And I'm going to give you three examples why that's untrue. Okay. Uh, Toy Story 2 fucking rips. Godfather Part 2 yeah, yeah. fucking rips. Shrek 2 rips. All of these I agree with, Tom. I'm more talking about... Empire Strikes Back. I'm more talking about trilogies that are planned as trilogies from the get-go. They're really one story. All those examples you spoke of, they stand alone as a singular story, I guess. Which, look, maybe this this probably falls more into that category anyway because it was never intended to be a trilogy. But I guess there have been movies in the past where the first movie does really well and they're like, oh, we should make a trilogy out of this. And then the second movie is clearly just there to set up the third movie, yep. which is pretty good. And yep. the second movie is pretty shit. Matrix Reloaded. Matrix Reloaded. 100% Sean. Yes. Yep. I would argue though, Reloaded is better than Revolution. Yeah, I haven't watched them in, in years. Yeah, I feel so little for either of them that I don't, yeah. care. I don't care. I think they're both shit, but I think if I was to rewatch them, I would enjoy the third one better. Nah. No, no fucking way. The second one has the the awesome car chase with the the truck and the mo- and Lawrence Fishburne on the motorbike. Yes, Tom, it's got great stunts that were filmed twenty years ago. Whereas the third yeah. one's got a little bit more emotional content. But hey, they're both shit. 
So, you know. <laughs> a quiet place too. Not shit. Very good. Very good. Not shit at all. No. Boys, was wondering how this would go with the fact that even though we know that Krasinski is there in a flashback at the start of the film, mm-hmm. you lose a, a, a great performance. Millicent is still off her fucking head good in this movie. Unreal. Like, yeah. so fucking good. But it's like, okay, you, you've lost one of the four big... It's a very small cast. Mm. You've lost a cog. How do you fill that void? And the answer is you get Killian Murphy and he hits it out of the fucking park. Yep. Yeah, he does. He's terrific. Yep. I was looking at his filmography after this film and I was like, man, he kind of hasn't done much for a while. But then I thought, mm. I haven't watched this show, but he's been doing Peaky Blinders for, you know, five or six yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. So that's where he's been. Yep. He's a terrific actor. He's fucking he's so good. Yeah. He's so sort of understated mm. and restrained. It's a great role. It's similar in in what Johnny Boy did in the first one, but it's just sort of a different side of that character. Yes. Well, like yeah. here's the thing for this character and and these movies on a whole is like because of the premise in that sound can't be used, it like it adheres to the golden rule of screenwriting, which is show don't tell because <laughs> they can't tell. They can't have dialogue be the crutch it so often can be where it is telling the audience the the shit they need to know. Like literally, it's perfect. And to have a char- have an actor like um, like Killian Murphy, who is an understated, restrained actor, like this setting is perfection for him because it's all in the delivery, it's all in the emotion that's taking place across his face, it's all in those little elements that just fucking sell it. Like honestly, like he's sensational. The the one scene that really got me was when after he after they make it to the island, him and Millicent, uh, Regan Abbott. And and he says, you're right, I'm not like your father, as the callback that she laid in early. That is powerful. Him saying, I'm not like your father, that's powerful. Then it doubles down by saying, but you are. And you're like, whoa, I'm blown away. And then it triples down because he goes onto the beach, takes out the picture that he drew of his wife, and he doesn't cry, which is what I thought he was going to do. Instead, he like he laughs and smiles, and it is... It fucking knocked me out of the park. Like I was, I couldn't recover from that. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's 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 like in that moment because he's done like because it's it's implied that he killed his wife because she was dying, and there's a line where he says sometimes the the pain got too much, almost like she was too loud because she was in so yeah. much pain. Mm. So he and her body's still there, and so that yeah, it, it's highly yeah. implied that he killed her out of mercy and is just mm. carrying that around like the biggest backpack in the world. Yeah. yeah. And it's the first time in the movie where he, he literally is just it's it's also he's just in a t shirt and pants. Yeah. yeah he's not yeah. got any other layers on. He's literally just all of the weight of all of the choices he's made. Yeah. Well <sighs> one thing I love about the film is is hope. It's so present and sure. it's so powerful. And you can I think easily make the case that Regan saved Killian Murphy's life mm. because I think it's so easy to look at his character and the shit he's already gone through. That character would have just killed himself, yeah. I think. It wouldn't have been far off. And then they've come into his life yeah. and and given him life again. And it's fu- it's fucking beautiful. And it's that same thing where Regan's learned she learned everything she could from her dad, mm. but she wasn't ready yet. She needed another teacher. And then he compliments that with new lessons. Yes, yes, yes. it's great. And yes. it's such a it's such a nice um, like the comparison for his character and the John Krasinski character is that they're the same person in a lot of ways. They're also complete opposites because John Krasinski died to save the rest of his family, where for Killian Murphy's Emmett character, 
the rest of his family died and he's alive and now he has no purpose. He has nothing to do. And like even in that in that first film, how Krasinski says, no, she says to him, if we can't save them, who are we? Yeah. And that's what he's grappling with. Like that's what this Emmett character is grappling with. It's so perfect. But in through that, he also, like you said, has these lessons for, for Regan's character. And likewise, she gives him stuff that, you know, oh, it's fucking fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. That that whole thing, like I, I got the vibe watching it that like even even when they first arrive in that train yard and he doesn't mm. help them. Like he, he yeah, would recognize yeah. them. Of course he fucking would. They live in right. the same tiny town. He knows them by name. Emily Blunt recognizes him straight away. Yeah. He doesn't save them. No. Nope. Until he absolutely has to, until his safety is compromised. He lets Marcus walk into a fucking bear trap. He's looking yeah. through the scope as Marcus walks into that. That and that is a horrific scene of him yep. walking to that bear trap. Yeah, and then he's like, "You you only can stay for three seconds." She shows him the baby, and he's like, "Don't give a shit." I'm. I always took that as like he wants them gone. He's like a day away from just putting a bullet in his head. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and then he has his own little journey, and that fuck that that beat where they are on the docks, mm. and he teach tells her to dive. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so good. So I was just good. About the intro, mm. the opening sequence. Where Johnny Boy's back in it, which is great. It's a pleasure to have him back. He really is. Yeah. And it's such a well-made thing. Damo, I think you were saying this after the film. Mm. It's so clever, too, to just have a silent, deserted town. Yes. And then his car rolls into it. And then, of course, ah, oh, it's quiet because everyone's at the local uh, right, right. baseball it's- game or whatever it exactly. is. Exactly. And it's great. And then you see everybody there. And it's cool just to fill in the world a bit. You have the, you know... The alien spaceship landing on the planet and everybody mm. freaking out and yeah. it's fucking great. Well, here's so something good. I really loved about that opening scene as well. Again, we're talking about the show don't tell aspect of it. During that baseball game, when the meteors come down, no one says anything. Mm. Everyone just slowly gets their family and gets the fuck out of there. Like yeah. it is the it is the epitome of show don't tell because yes, we as an audience watching that, we're like. Yeah, you don't need to explain it to us in dialogue. You don't need to have people screaming. You don't need people going, what was that? Oh, my God. Was that a meteorite? No, fuck all that. Cut that out of there. Keep this a tight 90. Get the family to quietly rush to the car because they are terrified already. Like, it is so perfect. Yeah, on on that too, Damo, it's going to be fascinating to watch what Krasinski writes and directs next Mm. because he's had two perfect crash courses now in just- not writing bullshit dialogue. Yes, yeah, dude. Like, he's just going to be tuned into that frequency. Uh-huh. So, he could make some really great stuff. Yeah. And I worried that the quality of this wouldn't be as good. Mm. But thematically, visually, every element of this is yeah. probably the equal of the first film. Mm-hmm. Like, the, it's fucking good. I'm really excited to see what he does next. I think he's a great director. Couldn't agree more, yeah. The, the, the thing that I, that I love too, and we've talked about this with sequels as well, shows just how safe hands we are if-, if the big hot dog himself is making more movies. (laughs) Is Damo, you asked that question about what makes a sequel good, I think, Mm. once before when we're talking about sequels. It takes the first thing and just like cranks it up a bit and does it beautifully and they learn all these lessons that they're stronger together. If they work together, they've got a shotgun plus her hearing aids, all that they can take on the world and you have that sequence where they they kill a monster Mm. when Marcus is in the bear truck because they're working together. Yes. And you have all of that happening. And so the course of the movie gets to the midpoint and is like, all of them are split up. Split them up. Yeah, baby. Yeah. Split them up. Yeah. None of, they are all facing a problem on their own. And even though it's like, um, I, I never remember anyone's name because no one talks in this fucking movie. <laughs> but Emily Blunt, her whole story is just, she's got to go back and deal, like go and get medicine for her son while also dealing with the fact that her husband is dead. Yeah. Her other son is still dead. There's all these things hanging over. She goes off on this little journey. Mm. Marcus has to try to be 
the dad that the, the the man that I guess John Krasinski was trying to make him be. Yeah, Millicent has to be the dad that she is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're all trying to be yeah. different kinds of dads. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's nice. And like, that's there's like there's a few things that I love in that is that like yeah for Marcus the Marcus character he's still scared the whole film was like about how scared he is and while he managed to get a moment of bravery at the end of the first one that hasn't stopped him from being scared in fact that moment of bravery happened at the same time that he lost his dad so like the fact that we see him multiple times throughout this film reject bravery like when Millicent tells him I need to be able to spread the the sound of this earpiece out to the rest of the world so other people have the same weapon that we have. And he literally says, I'll tell mum, I'll tell her right now. Like he's like, it's such a cowardly act, but it's also so you can totally empathize with it. And then likewise, when uh, Emily Blunt's character goes, he goes to leave and he comes out of the hatch and begs her not to. Like he's, he's so fearful throughout, which again, which the ending, which we'll get to in just a moment, only makes it more powerful. But then also what Evelyn's character, Emily Blunt, one, I love that she's not the protagonist in this film. Both the kids are, I would say, are the major protagonist. Yep. And I would say it's both of them. More Millicent, but definitely both of them have, have an arc in this film. But then her arc is to go get the oxygen tanks. And the oxygen tanks are also such a great set piece because they serve two roles. They are both a ticking clock because we see how close they are to the red, that they're constantly going down. But they're also the MacGuffin. We need these, we need these tanks to keep the baby alive, to keep us alive. It's the the structuring of this film and how tight it is. I can't get over it. Like it honestly, it blows me away. It's yeah. It, I can't. I can't think of another film that does it this well, other than the first one. Yeah, and this that that scene where Marcus is terrified that his mum's leaving and mm. leaving him with the baby, and he's like, yeah. I don't know how to look after it. I find that very relatable, and I think a lot of people would. Anyone who's got kids or anyone who's got nieces or nephews, mm, mm. there's going to be like a point where you have to sort of look after that kid and you just feel like, I can't do that. I don't know what to do. Yes. What if they cough wrong? What do I do? Right. right. So yeah, I bought yeah. into his fear completely. Yeah. Yeah. And Emily Blunt, Evelyn's character is extraordinary as well. Because mm. when you think about it, in the in the timeline of this film, she's basically, when the film starts, she's had a baby less than 24 hours <laughs> right. before that. Like a traumatic birth. In real life, yeah. you would- still be in hospital yeah. under observation. <laughs> yeah, like, it's yeah. insane. She's had yeah. a baby and lost her husband in the space of a day. Yeah. Less than and a day. And stood on a nail And stood oh, well. I tell you what, that if we want to <laughs> talk about cranking things up, we, we take the repeated shots of the nail from the first film and we turn them into the towel and the latch on that fucking container. Oh, yeah, well done. Yes. Yeah. Every time it but closes. Even just, and- even just having the nail. Like yeah. there's a scene where someone goes down the stairs and yeah. they, they fucking show that nail and you just have like fucking flashbacks. You just feel shit. You're like, no, yeah, PTSD. God, no. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. And then just my last thing before we move on, um, we could literally talk about this all day, I'm sure. But it, again, that sequel element of of elevating both the stakes and the world while dealing with the ramifications of the first one, which clearly this one does because it follows on directly from the first one. But it also it also elevates the world because we we see those the people i really loved um killian's line about the people out there aren't worth saving yeah i thought that like again one line to tell us everything he could have given a detailed synopsis of who these people are and why they're terrible and they've gone savage and blah 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 instead he had that one line and that's everything we need to know and so great we've expanded the world beyond just the monsters that it's just it's become a dangerous world and then the other thing i really liked was the sprinkler scene where the 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 fire alarm goes off and the sprinklers come out. Because obviously in the first one, we saw that, that white noise, in particular related to water, is a really great way to to stop their hearing. 
And so that the sprinkler system going off and basically semi-deafening the aliens, I thought that was perfect. Like again, it's such a good stretching of that idea and and but taking it a little bit further and seeing what else we can do with yeah. it. It's so clever. Every like yeah. Mm. I'm in awe of of this film actually. I think I've rated yeah. it too lowly. I gave it four stars. <laughs> I think it's better than that. You're a piece of yeah. shit, Sean. Yeah. <laughs> but just on your thing, Damo, about mm. what Killian says about, you know, the people out there aren't worth saving. You almost forget about that until you yes. come into contact yeah. with a few of those people later and you're like, Oh, okay. Fuck. It's such a sinking yes. feeling. Just looking at them and you just like they're the kind of characters you look at and immediately you go, Oh fuck. No. Yeah. They're fucked. Yeah. Scoot McNary is perfect to be the man that he is in that brief scene. <laughs> he is the perfect. Yeah. A- the yeah. only other actor that would have been good at that would be Ben Mendelsohn 20 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Just yeah, someone yeah. who looks wrong somehow. Like, <laughs> like, and just again, the the world building is so good in the first film. You have all the sand and all the little tools they have. The fact that the weapon that those guys use is just a bag of cans. With a rope around yeah. it. They just tie around Murphy's neck. If he tries to move it, it makes noise. He can't yeah. run. He can't yeah. fight. He can't do anything yeah. but just stand there. Yeah. Which, again, is just like the, I guess, Krasinski and whoever else is involved, really thinking through this world and coming up with, like we talked about in the, the previous episode, about they had the, they'd marked the spots on the creaky floor of where you could stand, and they obviously had the yeah. sand parts. And, again, throughout this film, I'm sure if I did a rewatch, I would see even more of that. Like, it's still got... It's still thinking through all those elements of every single way, this singular element of these aliens landing on Earth and all the tiny ramifications that have happened or all the tiny little details you need to include because, yeah, the world has changed in this very extreme way. Hmm. Uh, And I would be remiss if we also didn't talk about the ending. So, Sean, you mentioned it before. Did you want to give us your thoughts on that? Honestly, the height of this kind of filmmaking, we'll call it sort of studio reasonable budget filmmaking mm-hmm. is when you can have an emotional cross-cutting scene and just the way that they built up to it. And so, basically, we've got uh, Regan getting the job done on her end and her brother finding his courage and just the matching shots, yeah, the imagery of it and just, uh, like, it honestly just blows me away. Mm. It's, it's, it is the perfect ending right up until they do sort of the abrupt cut to credits. Right. But, like, it's way more powerful- then you like I wouldn't have thought they could do something as powerful as hot dog screaming at the end of the first one. Yeah, just that yeah. guttural <sighs> emotional cry, mm-hmm. and they they've matched it. I don't know. I won't say it's better because that's a huge moment. That's massive. Yeah, but sure. this is this is just as good. It's comparable and it's beautiful. Yeah. I love that the first one's the parent, and now it's the children. Yeah, who are we if we can't protect them? And now it's basically the kids protecting the parents. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. And that's it's such a it is honestly such a powerful moment for reasons I'll get to in into a second. But I just want to talk about the parent. So yeah, you see Emily Blunt's face when um, Marcus goes out. He finally finds his bravery, like a real act of bravery, not just a reactionary moment of bravery. He is stepping out. We see him literally step out while his sister's doing the same. It is so good, and he's being brave. And Emily Blunt's face isn't like even admiration or pride or anything like that. She, it's this moment of shock of her realizing, "Oh fuck, they can look after themselves now." And it it's yeah. yeah. What a choice. Like, what a choice in this movie to have that as her reaction. I thought that was sensational. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. All right. Were we scared? 100%. Yeah. Wanted to die. 100%. For the characters. It's that fear of, I love every character in this, and I hope no one gets hurt. The tension. Exactly right. And everything is just terrifying. The tension is so scary. They just keep cranking. That scene where it's like, I think it's... No, it's it. It's the same where she's just on the train, and they're just yeah, just yeah. building and building. You're like, nothing's Ooh. happened for so long. Something has to go wrong. She's on a train. Exactly, it is bad. There is yep. noise. There's so many things that could just fuck up here. And again, does that genuinely horrific thing of the fact that she cannot hear, and you get that great shot of her sitting on the ground of the train. It's just a thing climbing in behind her. Yeah, and neither her nor the thing know that the other one is there. Yeah, yep. it is. It's huge. And like I. I really didn't think I was going to be as tense as the first one. The first one, obviously, a powerhouse of tension, as well as like we even know, we know more. We like any sequel, the the allure of the unknown of of like the being amazed at how good this premise is and everything they do with it. I would have thought that had would lessen. It didn't because they've done so well. But even to go back to that early scene where we know that this family is going to get away from it, we know, we've seen what happens. That did nothing to stop me from being so tense in that opening scene. And, like, even the shot that I'd seen in the trailer of the bus coming at the family car while Emily Blunt's driving backwards and then you see the creature crawl out the front of the bus, it still got me just as much. Like, I was still yeah. edge of my seat. It is She, she said it's not yeah. even acting in that scene. She oh, was really? just genuinely terrified because they got the bus, I think, coming at, like, 40 miles oh. in that direction. Yeah. The creature design continues to just be awesome yeah. because, like we've said with horror films, when you see something enough, it shouldn't be frightening anymore, but mm. it still is. There's yes. just levels and layers to this thing that are just like really yuck and just creepy yep. and it's, yep. it's, it's, it's brilliant. It's the fact that they have no face, that they mm. are just nothing. Like there's no – it's one of those things where they are so – it's it's why the xenomorph in Aliens is so scary. It's yeah, like yeah, yeah. something with eyes and a mouth. You're like, oh, that's kind of I can I can see how that works. Mm-hmm. These things and the the alien and alien you look at and you're like, I don't understand why you are the way that you are. <laughs> I hate it. There is yeah. no relatable feature to you at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the thing that got me in this one was um, the speed. Like in literally one of the first shots, you see one move across the landscape. And the speed, the creepy, like, spider-like speed, the way they move across that landscape, yeah. 
it, it's just it's revolting in some way. Yeah. Like it triggers something in me that just freaks the fuck out. <laughs> yeah, speaking of triggered, like it triggers fear when there's sound. So the bear trap scene, yeah, him screaming is obviously horrifying. Yeah. And I love that he has that sort of couple of seconds where it's just shock. Like yeah, there isn't yeah. any screaming yeah. or pain because it's just pure adrenaline and shock. And yep. then he screams and he screams for so long and so loud that I was just shitting myself. Yeah. It's so terrible. And she can't quieten him down. She can't make him quiet. And it's like, yep. shut up. I know you're in pain, but you need to shut up. But I also understand why yep. you can't shut yep. up. Yeah. But her acting is sensational as well because in that moment, I think you can see in her face, that's a mother who's like, we're going to die. Yeah. I yeah. think because she's like, how could we not? Like mm-hmm. he is so loud. We're just fucked. Yeah. It's. Yeah. Ugh. But yeah, and so the, the the tension is is so huge throughout, and and this is what I was going to talk about with the ending, because when the ending comes, not only is it a powerful, perfect ending where these two amazing child actors <laughs> that just blow me away with their talent are delivering the goods and it's shot perfectly, rah rah. rah. It's also the first breath I've taken in ninety minutes. It is like <laughs> it is a final exhalation, and like with that relief and the power powerfulness of that moment. It's it surges like it literally reaches heights I wasn't ready for because even even as Millicent's character is walking towards the creature, and it's spasming because she's ratcheted up ratcheted up the volume. And there was this little thought in my head that said, "Stab it through the head." Like just I just wanted that moment of like that real hero moment. And then she picks up that chunk of metal rebar or whatever it was, and I'm like, yeah. "Oh fuck, she's gonna do it." It is perfect. It is perfect in every way. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you what else is perfect is the choice to reuse. That that theme, that music score from the first film, oh, right? Just that emotional cool. core of the movie, really. Mm. That's such perfect music. Yeah, and it just elicits that feeling in you. That's great. It's such a good. Every choice made in this film is pretty much perfect. Yeah. Well, then let's get to the, our next question, which is: Did our characters act wisely or foolishly? I think under the circumstances, yeah. I mean, you could look at Regan and be like, "Come on, mate, yeah. don't be a fucking idiot." <laughs> but also, yeah. her intentions are so noble that you kind of yeah. you forgive it. Yeah. And the same with the brother making the error of shutting the door. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm more forgiving of that because I'm like, yeah, I, I, I would panic too. Yeah, I'll yeah, myself. yeah, yeah. I think here's the thing, like in answering, I think I'm, you know, jumping the gun a bit, but like we didn't survive the first <laughs> No, yeah, we yeah. We're not surviving this one. We didn't even get <laughs> to this point. <laughs> yeah. We're not even alive. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so any choices they make, even if they're not great choices, I, I get why they're being made. Yeah, yeah. I will look. There's one nitpicky moment that I'm going to call out, which is Marcus's character. So when he's alone with the baby and he goes exploring and finds the corpse of um, yeah. Emmett's wife, I don't really know why he's doing that. I think he's gone out to sort of like scan the horizon for mum because he just like there's enough there for me to go. Yeah, he's just like hoping he can see her so this might end soon. Like he's looking for a glimmer of hope on the horizon and then obviously gets distracted, finds the corpse, makes a noise, calls alien to him. Like but also I'm like just like be the coward you are, mate. Just like hole up in your little hole with the baby and just just wait a little bit longer. That would be yeah. my only thing. I think I think there's one other person who makes a fatal mistake that actually mm-hmm. seems to fly in the face of who that person is, and that is Killian Murphy approaching the girl at the dock. He yeah. has no time for any human being on earth. Right. I don't know where the being with uh, Regan has softened him up. Mm. Yeah, but at that point, when, yep. he, when he goes over to like, hey, are you okay? It's like, mate, mate, you've talked, you know that there's bad shit going on, unless yeah. he assumes that. That's the radio tower people. I don't know. I think by that point, he just mellowed out just enough 
to care about the well-being of a small child. Yeah. But yeah, not his finest moment. Yeah. I guess no. also taking the boat over to the island and the assumption that they won't be followed. Mm, mm. Well, that's a pretty fair assumption because they can't swim. Yeah, we do see one long drowns. distance, basically. Yeah, but I don't think they... They don't really know that, though, do they? Until they get mm. to the island. Like, the island people know they can't swim. Does he know they can't swim? He says... He seems to assume that they can't swim. Yeah, okay. Dangerous assumption. <laughs> yeah. It falls into the water and it immediately starts to drown. Yeah. But I think he's he's not really... He doesn't have the ability to notice that, does he? I think he's panicking in that moment. He's trying not to drown and trying not to make noise. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's just bad luck, really, that a boat sort of got unmoored yeah, and floated over. Yeah. I mean, this yeah. movie's so tightly structured that there isn't a lot... Yeah, you have to kind of really nitpick. I will nitpick the island folk. Okay. Someone... They should have, like, a watchtower. Ah, yeah. They've got complacent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Any boats floating over. Yeah. You, you, sh- that you shouldn't be able to be snuck up upon by two people who have reached your island on a yep. boat. You should have like a quarantine process where if a boat shows up, it's like, we've got to check it for a month. Yeah, that's really like, good actually, dude. Yes, the fact yeah. that these two people just walk up unannounced. Yeah, yeah you're right. That, they should have seen them coming a mile away. They should have been ready to like burn the boat yeah. if they needed to. That's yeah. a really good point. Yeah. All right, boys. So how would we do? So we're dead. We're dead. Uh, so we will remain dead. Yep. And that's it. That's that's it. Okay. Um, I don't like... We'd be for exactly the same reason we're fucked in the first movie. Yeah. We're fucked in this yeah. movie. Yeah. Big time. The only thing it'd be is, are we on the island? And then we have to like we now nah, but we'd be fucked again. We would. We would be too loud on the island. <laughs> yeah. 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 They'd hear our partners coughing and our dogs barking and yeah. they would hear it. They'd hear it. Our loud pisses and farts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> as well as like you've like they've got an excuse to party because these oh look, there's more people who have survived. They got our message, rah rah rah. Yeah. You just in fucking party mode. Like yeah, there is zero defense up for a fucking alien springing on you. Yeah. yeah That's fantasy island. Yeah. I gotta I've got to say, Sean that you're like, oh why don't they have a guard tower? We wouldn't have a fucking guard tower. Do you think complacency? Too much partying and they've just like oh, whatever. I think, yeah, you're sinking beers. You just You know what? There's a guard tower and it's our shift and we're not there. <laughs> <laughs> we're hanging out with Killian Murphy and Jimon Hansu. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love Jimon Hansu. He's so great. He gets fucked over in so many he movies. He does. He's a real bit player, but mm. he's he's powerful. I do think yeah. it's way too late in the game for him to have like a monologue. I just think it's like, come on, man, there's five minutes left in this film. Don't try and take me to emotional places with your brilliant acting. Oh, and now you're dead. He already took me to emotional places with his brilliant sweater wearing. I was that, that <laughs> man. Great. Oh my god. Yeah, I wish he'd survived. Yeah, oh, man, could have built a third film around that man. Oh yeah, yeah. He is like us, dead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we are yeah. as dead as Dijon. <laughs> Well, on that note, that is all the scary talk we have for this episode. I've been Damien. I've been Sean. And I've been Tom. If you scary listeners would like to get in contact with us, you can email us at 3 scaredboys at gmail.com or you can find us on Twitter at scaredyboys. Individually, I'm at Midday Pajamas. I'm at Carney from 55. And I'm an awkward treat. Stay scared, everyone. Johnny. Johnny Hot Dog Krasinski. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. The secret to summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil, clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Its signature scent of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com.